0: Another episode of Retrace Echoes, the podcast where the past whispers and the unknown beckons. As always, I'm your host. My name is Bert, and I am absolutely thrilled to guide you through this journey into the heart of the supernatural and the unexplained, where every single episode I try to delve into the most compelling and verified accounts of the paranormal. From the ghostly apparitions to the unexplained phenomena, I cover stories that have captivated the imagination, have sparked the curiosity. Through the Ages. And this is a big one. Obviously, you saw the title. You know exactly what we're coming. Let's be honest. Let's be a buck. I probably should have covered this one in October. Looking back now in December, I sit here and think to myself, this is probably a Halloween episode. <laughs> but listen, I'm not mad. We covered uh, Robert the Doll. We covered Robert the Doll in October, and I'm not mad about that because that was also another great great ghost story and i love locations that have tons of different ghost stories this one's a little bit different with all the things you know besides working on all the podcasts that i have and the stories on my my retraced stories youtube channel i love taking all the different haunting entities in a location and putting them on subreddit and what some of you know cuz some of you've came from subreddits to obviously my podcast here, which I definitely appreciate, appreciate each and every single one of you. One of the big things that I love doing is taking the entities and putting them on the subreddit r slash ghost. Now, some of you I've interacted with, you're from that community. There's some of you that said that you used to be a part of that community. I'm telling you, you all need to go take a look now. There's some very positive changes. Whenever I put a story up there, and even though it's a known entity, it's from a location anyone can Google, I have had a mixed bag of trying to think of the right wording here, because I don't I know I've been a little bit not excited to talk about R slash Ghost, but it's honestly it's because there was never any mods in there. And it, it almost felt like the skeptics ran the asylum. If I would post something on that subreddit. Within the first five seconds, it felt like it would be downvoted and then I would just get trashed until people would come in and actually read the story. But the problem is, is it buries your story so low down. There's some stories I have that wouldn't get many upvotes, more than you know, five or six upvotes. And that's after all the downvotes. So I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's still really good. But then there's there would be some that would just take off like wildfire. There's actually one they've taken it down, which I'm really sad about it. It had like 110 upvotes, but it had over 100,000 views. Think about that for just a second. 100,000 different looks. And I think I had like 15 or 20 some shares. It was crazy numbers. But the reason I bring this up is I put all the entities on that subreddit. Also do it on my own. I have my own subreddit called r slash certified ghosts. And I'm slowly going to start building that. I need to get a couple mods over there. It's a very small. I think we've got like eight people, which again, if you're looking for another subreddit to hit up, definitely hit up that subreddit, r slash certified ghosts. And what I like to do is take the entities from these podcasts and kind of tell their story. It's a little bit more of a deep dive than what I do on the podcast because I prefer to kind of tell the story. So it's like there's a story and there's the history. The history is probably going more on that r slash ghost or r slash ghosts. And I used to put it on Facebook. It's honestly, it's just too much work. I have to put things in certain places. Even with the blog, I've kind of stepped away from the blog a little bit. There's only so many hours in a day and I just don't have enough hours. There's just so many positive changes going on to that Reddit. And one of the big things that I've noticed is a new mod over there. Pickle Alternative 564, they have been instrumental in some of the changes that I've seen. I can honestly say that I look at posts now and I feel like less skeptics are running away with them. And listen, I think every single, no matter what it is, whether it's in the podcast comments, whether it's in YouTube videos, subreddits, skeptics are... Needed. I even try to be skeptical on many, many things. But the biggest thing is making sure that if you are an original poster, and whether you're a skeptic or the OP, is you're respectful. And that's the biggest thing. And with this mod, I feel like they're kind of laying down the law. Everyone can have a voice, but do it respectfully. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Because if not, I'll spend 30 minutes talking about a subreddit. But... If you've not been to r slash ghosts in a while, definitely go check them out. If you want another place to go to, check out my subreddit at r slash certified ghosts. We're going to try to build that community. I got to get a couple mods though. Maybe I can talk pickle alternative or pickle alternative into being a mod. (laughs) Kind of doubt it. I think they're kind of busy, but let's get back to what we're talking about here. With every episode, I try to delve into the most compelling, the most verified accounts of paranormal, and this this location, it checks all the boxes. Whether it be the ghostly apparitions, the unexplained phenomena, here I cover stories that have pretty much captivated the imaginations and have sparked curiosity through all the ages. And my mission is not to just tell the stories, but it's also to explore them, right? We seek to unravel the mysteries that lie beneath the surface and bring to light the histories and the truth that's oftentimes left in those shadows. So here at Retrace Echoes, I believe that every whisper of the past has a story to tell and every unexplained mystery is a puzzle just waiting to be solved. Whether people believe it or not, I'm here to bridge the gap between the skepticism and the belief, the reality and the myth, and the seen and the unseen. So, whether you're a staunch skeptic, maybe you're a curious observer, or you're a true believer in the supernatural, there's something here for everyone. So, join me in embarking on the journey, retracing the echoes of the unknown. So, let's stop talking about it, let's be about it. Let's go. This one is going to be a big one. And by that, what I mean is the story can't get any bigger, right? In today's episode of Retraced Echoes, we're going to be turning our folks to the house that's probably one of the biggest ones known to be synonymous with the paranormal, the Amityville Horror House. And it's located in a very quiet neighborhood of Amityville, New York. And the house kind of harbors a story that's captivated and terrified many over the years. Now, as many of you know, I'm a history guy, so to understand a lot of these hauntings, I kind of like to dig into the history, and today's is definitely going to be a very dark and grim story, so if you have little ones that's listening along, maybe send them away for just this portion. I'll tell you when it's safe to allow them to come back out. That's for the ghost stories, but uh, let's dig into Robert DeFeo Jr. He was often referred to as Butch. And he was a 23-year-old man. He was living with his family in Amityville, Long Island. To outsiders, DeFeo seemed like just an average, well-to-do family. But beneath the surface, there was a lot of things, a lot of tension, a lot of dysfunction that was going on with that entire family. Now, Robert Sr. and Lois DeFeo, which was the parents of Robert, they were known to have their own turbulent relationship. Now, Ronald, he was the oldest child, and he worked the family's car dealership, and he was described by almost everyone that knew him as troubled, very volatile, and he had a very difficult relationship, very complex with his dad, and it was marked with a lot of disagreement. Now, Donald Jr. had a history of substance abuse which only made things significantly worse when you looked at family tensions. His family did not like the fact that he had a lot of this stuff going on. Now, as the days that led up to that very horrific night in November, there was no signs of tragedy that was about to unfold. The DeFeo family just kind of continued living their daily lives, unaware of what was about to happen with their, with their eldest son. Now, on November 13th, 1974, the unimaginable did happen. Armed with a 35 caliber Marlin rifle, Robert Jr. methodically moved through the house shooting his parents, two brothers, and two sisters while they slept. The brutality and effectiveness of the murders, they were chilling. Each member of the DeFeo family was found laying face down on the beds, shot at close range. Now, the very weird thing about this is, that rifle had no silencer. It makes no sense why, I guess there wasn't some type of a tip-off of what was occurring. And what's interesting is, they said that the murders probably took about 15 minutes. So, why no one knew what happened here, kind of is unsettling it makes me wonder if there was already some type of like they talk about the house being cursed how did no one hear this going on the other weird thing is with the exception of the dog barking none of the neighbors also reported hearing any disturbance including gunshots which again is very weird now after committing this heinous act ronald engaged in a series of actions that was later pieced together by investigators but he took a bath he meticulously cleaned himself. He removed any blood stain that he could find. He changed his clothes to eliminate the evidence that was involved in the crime. And then the very next morning, he went to the car dealership, his family's car dealership at that, and acted like everything was just normal. He was trying to establish some type of a routine. That way, it would kind of take that suspicion off of him. Because They're going to find out somehow, regardless of how it was. And I think in a lot of this, he was still trying to figure out how he's going to get away with these murders. But there was a lot that went on with his demeanor and actions that kind of raised some, I guess, red flags to a few people that knew him. So this would come back to bite him a little bit. But later, DeFeo entered a local bar in a state of just pure distress, So he's pretending like he just found his family's body. They were all lifeless bodies of his family when he returned home. And they obviously called the police. And for him, he desperately attempted to portray himself as just an innocent, traumatized uh, son that came across this grisly murder, this grisly crime scene. And uh, what happened next was kind of interesting. As the investigations went on... DeFeo went on to change the story and say that there was this crew of people that came in and made him kill his family, which that didn't work. The truth began to unravel regardless and Ronald was arrested. I mean, the evidence against him was insane, right? The murder weapon was found. There was ballistics tests that confirmed it was the same gun in the killings. Furthermore, the forensic analysis indicated the family had not been drugged or sedated. Which again, raised a lot of questions. How was he able to carry out the murders without any other family member waking up or even attempting to escape? They searched the entire house. It's not like those bodies was moved and put in its place. Faced with the overwhelming evidence, Ronald eventually he just confessed to the murders. His confession, however, there was all kinds of inconsistencies and changes. At various times, he would claim that he heard voices that compelled him to kill almost as though he's trying to get off by having some type of a mental breakdown but those claims was met with skepticism by investigators and mental health professionals the trial of robert defeo junior began on october of 1975 almost a year after the murders now i'm sure this is going to shock nobody but the defense focused 100% on ronald's mental state they basically argued that he was insane at the time of the killings, but the prosecution painted a very different picture. It was more of a, he's a cold calculated murderer driven by his family's resentment and a desire for control. After a very lengthy trial, the jury found Robert DeFeo Jr. guilty of six counts of second degree murder. He was sentenced to six consecutive sentences of 25 years to life in prison. And even though the conviction of Ronald DeFeo Jr. in October 1975 marked the end of a very tragic chapter in the history of the house at 112 Ocean Avenue, the jury's decision brought some sort of a semblance or like a closure to the DeFeo tragedy, but the house itself remained standing as a silent testament to the horrors that it witnessed. The house, wrapped in its grim past, was soon to begin a new chapter with a new family. As the DeFeo case concluded and the media frenzy slowly faded, the house on Ocean Avenue awaited its next inhabitants. Enter George and Kathy Lutz, a couple that was looking for a new beginning, a place to weave their dreams and create a lasting memory for their three young children. In 1975, George and Kathy Lutz were on the lookout for a house to accommodate their growing family. With three young children, they dreamed of finding a place that they could call home. A place where memories could be made and memories could be cherished. Their search brought them to Amityville, and it was here, nestled among the tree lined streets, that they came across a house that seemed to tick all the boxes of their dream home. The house at 112 Ocean Avenue was a beautiful Dutch colonial house. It was standing very tall, had a very different looking roof than what they were accustomed to, and it had very charming windows, in their opinion, that gave a character all of its own. Now, despite its beauty, The house came with a history that gave many people pause. It was a site of a tragic series of murders where six of the family members had been brutally killed just over a year prior. Now, the Lutzes, they wanted a fresh start and it's thought maybe they were a little influenced by the remarkably low selling price. So (laughs) how many times do we have to say it on this podcast? Never be influenced by a remarkably low selling price they decided to completely forget about the murders that occurred there they said to themselves they weren't even swayed by superstitions they had zero fears about going into this into this house now the real estate agent they were very upfront about the house's history but for George and for Kathy the allure of the spacious house complete with a boat house and a swimming pool it overshadowed any the reservations from the past. They saw potential, a place where their family could thrive, they could grow, maybe even build an entire different history around the house. They envisioned their children playing in the yard, laughing, uh, all the echoes in the hallways of a, of a very happy house, time spent at the fireplace. So in December of 1975, the Lutz family moved into the house. They were ready to make this house their home, to breathe some new life into it and leave its dark history behind. Little did they know, The house on Ocean Avenue had a very different story in mind, a narrative that was yet to unfold in the most of unexpected and chilling ways. After just 28 days, the Lutz family fled the house, claiming that they was terrorized by a series of unexplained phenomena. They reported chilling experiences, from strange noises, foul odors, to ghostly apparitions and walls that oozed a green slime-like substance. Now their story, later detailed in a book and a series of films, catapulted the Amityville house into the realm of paranormal legend. Now skeptics and believers, oh baby, they've debated the truth behind the Lutz's claims. Yet the questions remain, was it all a hoax or were there darker forces at play at the Amityville Horror House? The house's reputation for being haunted stems from all these tales of terrors and unnerving history that preceded them. Despite numerous changes in ownerships and renovations, the house continues to be a symbol of the supernatural, which draws curiosity and fears from all corners of the world. In our journey today, we're going to delve deeper into the layers of the haunting stories, explaining both the fact and the folklore that surround the Amityville Horror House. Now, as you all know, I love to dig into the first encounters of any of these haunted locations that I look at. For us, that's going to be with the Lutz family and the encounters that they have are going to forever change their lives. And it's going to put the Amityville Horror house into the most established, in my opinion, one of the most established paranormal histories of all time when it comes to locations. Now, Lutz moved into the house in December of 1975, but almost immediately, the family began to experience phenomena that defined explanation. It started very subtle at first, kind of strange occurrences like cold spots in certain rooms. We talk about that often. Also, there was unexplained feelings of being watched and odd smells that would come and go without any discernible source. One of the earliest and most unsettling incidents involved the family's youngest daughter. She developed an imaginary friend named Jody, a demonic-looking creature. And this is one of the stories that we're going to be covering. Now, also, George Lutz, head of the household, began to experience a drastic personality change. Typically, he was known as being calm, very rational man. He found himself plagued by sudden bouts of anger and depression. He'd wake up at 3.15 every morning. But is there a reason for that? There sure is. Stay tuned to find out why. Kathy Lutz, she had her fair share of stories also. She recorded being touched by an unseen force and witnessing red glowing eyes staring at her through the window. You know there's way more to that story we're going to be covering too. Probably the most chilling of all these physical manifestations, the Lutz described a green, almost gelatinous substance oozing from the walls. Doors being just completely ripped off their hinges, and a crucifix turning upside down by an unseen hand. One night, these experiences became so hard for the family, they could no longer remain in the house. These initial encounters set the stage for an enduring legend known as the Amityville Whorehouse. But were these events the product of a genuine haunting, maybe a family's delusion, or something else entirely? Now, as we delve further into the mysteries of the Amityville Whorehouse, I want to turn your attention to some first-hand accounts that have been added to The Chilling Legacy. So now on to everyone's favorite part, the ghost stories. Let's stop talking about it, let's be about it, let's go. This is the story of George Lutz, whose experiences within the walls of the infamous house on Ocean Avenue challenges the very fabric of our understanding of the supernatural. Each night, when the clock struck 3.15 a.m., George found himself jolted awake. This was not a random disturbance. 3.15 a.m. was believed to be the approximate time of the DeFeo murders, the tragic event that preceded the Lutz's arrival. Each of these awakenings was accompanied by an overwhelming sense of dread, a feeling as if the house itself was holding its breath. On one of these nights, George decided to investigate the house and attempt to rationalize these disturbances. As he walked through the dimly lit corridors, the house seemed to whisper, the creaks of the floorboards seemed to sound like hushed, unintelligible voices. The air was cold, unnaturally so, as if the house was exuding a chill from its very bones. In the living room, George encountered what would become one of the most chilling experiences of his stay. The crucifix they hung for spiritual protection was now upside down. A blatant and disturbing invasion of a sacred symbol. It was as if the unseen force was mocking their beliefs, asserting its ominous presence. But it was in the basement where George felt the most intense unease. The basement, often described as the heart of the house's malevolence, was a place where the air felt thick, almost suffocating, George described a sensation of being watched, a feeling of invisible eyes fixated on him, full of malice and intent. It was here, amidst the shadows, that he heard what sounded like a distant, guttural growl, a sound that seemed to reverberate from the very walls of the basement. The experiences of these nights took a toll on George. He began to notice himself, with mood swings, sudden bouts of illness, and a pervasive sense of paranoia. The house was not just a structure of wood and stone, but it became an entity, an oppressive force that seemed intent on breaking his spirit. These encounters, as recounted by George Lutz, was more than just stories. They're a testament to the enduring mysteries of the Amityville Horror House. They beckon us to ponder the unseen, to question the nature of our reality, and to acknowledge that there is phenomena in the world that defy explanation. As we continue our exploration of the Amityville Horror House, we turn our focus to Kathy Lutz, whose experiences within the walls of the infamous house on Ocean Avenue were as profound as they were unsettling. Her story offers a glimpse into the more nuanced and deeply personal aspects of the Amityville mystery. Kathy Lutz, a mother and wife, entered the Amityville house with hopes and dreams of her family's future, but soon after moving in, she found herself facing phenomena that defies her understanding of reality. Her experiences in the house were not just eerie encounters. They were deeply personal, affecting her sense of safety and her role as the protector of her children. One of the earliest moments that Kathy recalled was the feeling of unseen presence in the house. It was subtle at first, a sensation of being watched, a chill that seemed to linger in certain rooms. As the days passed, these sensations grew more pronounced. Kathy often described a feeling of maternal entity in the house, a presence that was both comforting as well as it was unnerving. However, it was an encounter of one cold evening that left a mark on Kathy. As she tucked her children into bed, she felt a sudden drop in temperature. The room grew cold. unnaturally so. Then she saw it. a shadowy figure at the corner of the room, barely visible yet unmistakably there. Kathy's instincts was to protect her children, but as she stared at the figure, it slowly dissipated, leaving her in a state of confusion as well as fear. On another occasion, Kathy experienced what could only be described as physical embrace by an unseen force. It happened in the kitchen, a place that should be seen as the heart of the home, warm and inviting. Instead, as she stood there, she felt a pair of invisible arms wrap around her. The sensation was so real and so sudden that she spun around, only to find no one there. The experience left her shaken, questioning the very nature of the house and its past. But Kathy's encounters were not limited to these invisible interactions. She often heard whispers, soft and unintelligible, as if the house itself was speaking. Objects would move unexplainably and on several occasions she witnessed the doors opening and closing on their own. Perhaps the most disturbing of these experiences were the vivid nightmares she began to have, dreams that were so real they blurred the lines between sleep and wakefulness. These nightmares often revolved around the history of the house, particularly the tragic events of the DeFeo family. Kathy Lets's time in the Amityville house was a journey through the unknown, A series of encounters that challenge her beliefs and her understanding of the world around her. Her story is a testament to the lasting impact the house had on those who live within its walls. Next, we're going to delve into the mysterious experiences of the youngest member of the Lutz family, with a particular focus on their daughter, Missy. Her encounters in the Amityville house reveals a chilling blend of innocence and supernatural. Missy, like most children her age, had a vivid imagination. But soon after moving into the house on Ocean Avenue, her parents began to notice changes in her behavior that couldn't easily be brushed off by mere child's play. Missy had made a new friend, an imaginary one, whom she called Jody. While imaginary friends are common among children, Jody was very different. The details Missy provided about her were both specific and unsettling. Jody, as Missy described, wasn't just a figment of her imagination, but a presence that seemed to inhabit the house. According to Missy, Jody could change form, sometimes appearing as a large, ominous figure, other times a small, childlike entity. The conversations Missy had with Jody were often overheard by her parents. And the topics were strange and oftentimes very complex, revolving around the history of the house and its previous occupants. One conversation definitely stood out when Missy's parents found her conversing with Jody in her room. As they entered the room, they were met with a sudden drop in temperature, and Missy very calmly explained that Jody had become very upset with their presence. The room which should have been filled with the usual clatter and noises of a child's space, felt still and charged with an unspoken energy. As the days passed, Missy's interactions with Jody grew more frequent. She would often stare at her window, seemingly communicating with someone or something that her parents couldn't see. On one chilling occasion, Kathy saw what she thought was glowing red eyes peering at her from Missy's window, though there was no source for them. The climax of Missy's experience came one night when her parents was awoken by her screams. Rushing to her room, they found her in a state of panic, claiming that Jody had shown her frightening images and warned her of the dangers within the house. This incident left the Lutzes deeply concerned, not only for their daughter's well-being, but also for the nature of the force that seemed to interact with her. Missy's experiences in the Amityville house, particularly... Her interactions with Jody added a deeply unsettling layer to the family's ordeal. Her stories told through the innocent lenses of a child brought forth a chilling narrative that blurred the lines between imagination and a possibly darker reality lurking within the house. Daniel, who was the middle child of the Lutz family, was old enough to be aware of the strange happenings in the house. Unlike the more subtle and mysterious experiences of his sister, Daniel's encounters was often more physical and aggressive in nature. One of the most scary experiences recounted by Daniel happened in his bedroom. He described waking up in the middle of the night with the feeling of being grabbed by unseen hands. The sensation was so strong and real that he struggled to break free feeling as though he was fighting against an invisible force. This incident left him with a deep sense of dread and a lasting fear of his own bedroom, a place that should have been a very safe sanctuary for a young boy. Daniel also reported witnessing objects moving on their own. On one occasion, he saw his toy being manipulated by unseen forces, moving in ways that defied explanation. This experience, though less physically threatening, It deeply disturbed him. It eroded the sense of safety that he had within his own home. The impact of these experiences on Daniel was profound. He became withdrawn and anxious. A marked change from his behavior before moving into the house. His parents, already grappling with their own disturbing experiences, were deeply concerned about the effects the house had on their son. The combined effort of these events contributed to the Lutz family's decision to leave the house. For Daniel, as for the rest of the family, the Amityville house was more than just a place of unexplained phenomena. It was a source of real and persistent terror that left a very deep and long-lasting mark on his childhood. With all the different types of unexplained occurrences reported by the Lutz family in the Amityville Horror House, one of the most bizarre and unsettling is the account of the mysterious substance that seemed to ooze from the very walls of the house. This strange phenomenon was first noticed by Kathy Lutz. One morning, as she was going about her daily routines, she was startled to find what appeared to be a greenish-black substance seeping from the keyholes and the seams of the wooden panels in the living room. The substance... With his gelatinous consistency and dark color, it was unlike anything that she had seen before. Kathy recalled feeling a sense of profound unease as she approached the substance. It was not just the sight of it, but also the unexplained nature of its appearance that filled her with dread. There was no logical explanation for how or why this ooze was manifesting in their home. George also witnessed this phenomenon on several occasions. described the substance as akin to a thick black sludge. With a consistency that made it difficult to clean or remove, the appearance of the substance was sporadic and very unpredictable, adding to the family's growing concerns about the house and its many mysteries. The children too were aware of the strange occurrences, though the parents tried to shield them from the most disturbing aspects of their experiences in the house. Despite their effort, The sense of something being amiss permeated from the household, affecting each member of the family in different ways. This account of a mysterious ooze emerging from the walls has been a point of contention among skeptics and believers alike. Some have speculated that it could have just been the results of a natural phenomena or a problem with the house's plumbing or structural integrity. However, the Lutzes maintained that the substance, along with other phenomena they experienced, was part of the unexplained and paranormal activity that plagued their time at the Amityville house. Man, oh man, those stories at the Amityville Horror House, those are just creepy now. Anyone has seen the movie, anyone that's read the books... There's obviously some things that was put in there that I think kind of added to the story. And obviously we explored a ton of the chilling experiences with the Lutz family at that house, but the one thing that I did want to cover is what was the final decisive event that compelled them to flee their dream home, never to return. After enduring 28 days of increasingly disturbing events, from the unexplained noises, the cold spots, to the mysterious ooze, and the unsettling encounters of each and every family member, The Les family faced an evening that was, for them, their breaking point. Now, according to the family, this final night in the house was one of chaos and of terror, an apex to the frightening phenomena that they had been experiencing. The family has been notably vague about the very specifics of that night, often citing the intensity and the traumatic nature of the events as a reason for their hesitation. However, according to their accounts, the house seemed to come alive with a paranormal activity. It started with a drastic change in temperature, the house becoming ice cold despite the heating system working overtime. The family then heard what they described as a chorus of disembodied voices and strange guttural voices echoing from the very walls. Now, George and Kathy reported feeling an oppressive malevolent force throughout the house. It was as if the house itself was pushing them to their limits, testing, Basically, their resolve and their sanity, they described a feeling of being watched by unseen eyes, a sensation that had become to them a normal occurrence. The children too, they were not spared by the terror of the night. They were reportedly plagued by the vivid, horrifying nightmares, similar to the one that Kathy had been experiencing also. The family sense of safety, the everyday lifestyle that someone has, it completely eroded, replaced by a constant state of fear and alertness. But it all came down to one night. It was one night where the paranormal phenomena that George and Kathy had experienced made the decision to leave the house super easy for them. They didn't take any time to gather their belongings or to make arrangements. The family just fled in the early hours of the morning. Driven out basically by what they said was an overwhelming sense of danger and an urgent need to protect their kids, which I can totally get, can totally understand. If I felt like myself or my children was in danger, no questions asked, I'm out. As we bring this episode of Retrace Echoes to a close, I want to extend my heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you for joining me on this journey into the shadowy corridors of the Amityville Whorehouse, your curiosity and engagement. We've covered so much of this mystery. We've basically looked at the dark history of the house, which we typically don't do, but I think it's kind of needed in this case. But we also went through the harrowing events of what the Lutz family went through And obviously, there's lingering questions that continue to shroud the entire Amityville into a mystery of sorts, but we may never fully unravel the truth behind the walls. The story of the Amityville Horror House, it remains, if anything, a fascinating testament to the unexplained and the supernatural. But before I sign off, I want to talk about something near and dear to my heart, and that's my other podcast that I co-host with a good friend of mine by the name of Nick And that podcast is called Deceptive Reality. Now, every single week, much like Unsolved Mysteries, we look at just one unsolved mystery. And it could be anything. We've looked at everything from the Mothman, Bigfoot. We look at the Enfield Poltergeist. You name it, we try to look at it if it's unsolved. So definitely check that out. Again, it comes out every single Friday. Wherever you listen to a podcast, look up Deceptive Reality. Lastly, every single Monday people submit their stories to me or occasionally i'll look on reddit and see if i can find one that i like and then i contact the person if they let me use it i put it on my youtube channel if you have a story that you think is spooky and you want to add it please be sure to hit me up at info at just remember the world is full of mysteries waiting to be explored and every echo of the past has a story to tell stay curious stay brave And join me again as we trace the echoes of the unexplained. Until next time, this is Bert, your guide to the supernatural, signing off. Keep safe and keep the spirit of exploration alive. Until I see you in the next podcast. Goodbye.